This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we'll start reading verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Look at your neighbor and say, I was a child. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, jump over a few chapters. Chapter 3, I'm going to read a few verses, 1 and 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, the author says, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. Today, for the next few minutes, I want to challenge us and encourage us on this thought that I want to go from your head to your heart as you ask yourself this morning, as we unpack God's Word. Here's the thought I want, the question I want you to ask yourself. You'll see the title behind me. Am I growing? Am I growing? If you're taking notes, write that down somewhere. I believe notes never forget. I want to challenge you from Word of God. Am I growing? Let's pray one more time. Father, I thank you for today. Father, again, I'm so thankful for every person that came today, Father, that some came from a long way away, some came from down the street, but they cleared their schedule to be here this morning. Father, we thank you for that. Now, we're asking, God, that you would show up in, as only you can, in realness, in, in, in community, and in power. Father, we're praying this word of yours would not return empty or void. You said that when we speak your word, something good always happens, life, forgiveness, hope, Come, Father, I'm asking for a demand on our investment today that, God, I will leave here more in love with you than I walked in, that we as a community would leave here more impassioned about you, your calling, and what you think about our lives. Father, thank you, Father God, that you are a good God. In Jesus' name, everybody said, my kids are growing up. My son's 14, and uh, we always say we believe he's He's going to have his, father's, uh, his mother's looks and his father's taste in women. Because I did all right. I, did really, I married up. My daughter is 11, and she's got the eyes so brown we call her Mocha because you get lost in those eyes, and she's so funny. Her favorite show ever is Storage Wars, my 11-year-old. Her tagline right, right now is, don't forget to pay the lady. That's her, that's her, that's her. My kids are so funny, but they're growing up. They're growing up, and... And uh, right in front of our eyes. And sometimes you see it and sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're just, you know what it's like. You're around your kids all the time. And then once in a while you look at them with fresh eyes. You're like, man, you are growing. I was just in Houston for a week. And we were in New York together as a family for vacation. It was so good. And, man, I've been in New York probably 30 times. But this was the first time all four of us were together. And I've taken the kids there before. And things we couldn't do before. And now they could keep up and ride in the subways and everything they wanted to do. And when they were younger, it was toys and candy. Now it's shoes and fashion. Come on, they're at that age, and they're looking for fashion. And, and my kids are growing up, sometimes doing laundry, folding laundry. I can't tell if it's Maddie's clothes or Nancy's clothes. And uh, Josh's shoes are almost my size because he has better shoe game than I have, and I can't wait to steal his shoes. But my, my kids are growing. I never forget growing up. When they were growing up, they used to wrestle with me. I mean, you know, that's like a good time. I come home from work, and like Josh, like you wanna, you wanna, you wanna wrestle, and Maddie be like, you wanna wrestle, and uh, she talked like her father. She had a little bit of a, a speech, and she's like, do you wanna wrestle? And I'm like, let's go wrestle. And we'd go upstairs, and my kids would jump on me. I mean, just jump. I remember these days, and my son always had a cape on. Didn't matter what time of day, what season, he always had a cape. He'd be Batman or Spider Man or something, and. 
We'd go up on the bed, and Nancy's like, the kids are waiting for you. They want to wrestle. I'd go up on the bed, and my son, flying kicks like a ninja. At that age, he doesn't understand that there are certain areas you can hit a father that could hurt him. He didn't care. He came in with reckless abandon. He just fists of fury, feet flying, just crazy, jumping on you, not understanding his weight or his intensity. And my daughter uh, would get on top of me and try to pin me down, and she'd just distract me while he would pummel me from the other side. And they would tag team me. My daughter, I'd be trying, I'd just hold her head because I'm just trying to keep my eye on her because she could pop you when you weren't looking. And I could keep an eye on the little boy, on Josh, because he'd come out of nowhere with fists and swords and claw and wolverine hands and all these things I'd buy him, he'd use against me when we wrestled. And Thor's hammer and swords and lightsabers and Nerf guns. And, and so her I'd hold and him I'd watch. And she used to say to me, because she knew I wasn't wrestling her, I was just distracting her. She'd say, take it hard on me, Dad. Take it hard, because she wanted me to throw her around and take it hard on me, Dad. That's the number one line, because I couldn't handle both of them. The days of wrestling both my kids are over. I can't handle one of them now, let alone both of them. Man, Maddie, man, she can throw her weight around. Josh is strong and fast, and it's amazing. My kids are growing, but sometimes my kids don't know. They don't, they don't believe us when we say they're growing. My kids are like, you know, because everybody's like, man, you know, am I growing? Like, am I, I'm like, Josh, you're growing. Maddie, you're growing. Look how tall you are. Yeah, you're just saying that. I'm like, no, look at your short. Look at those pajamas. They're like shorts now. They're capris. They used to be too long. I'm like, right, right. These, and they, they, it's hard to tell if you're growing. There's different seasons, and sometimes you grow a lot. Sometimes you don't grow much at all. And my kids still to this day keep asking, am I growing? So we devised something that I had grown up. Maybe you had grown up. You'll see it behind me. We used to put on a door. We wrote on our doorpost in our bedroom, in our, in our closet in our bedroom, and one side of the doorpost is Josh, and the other side, how many did this growing up? You've done this before with your kids, and you mark off each height as they grow. It's so cute. We did it when they were two, and we put them stand there, and they, of course they tippy-toe, right? Could, no, get down flat, and you know, Nancy tippy-toes, and Nancy, you're not growing. We're not shrinking at this point, and, and uh, they're sitting there, and they put their, as straight as they can, and you put the little measurement, put the book on top, and measure it, and you write down, June 2014, Josh. And on the other side of the door, you put Maddie's name, and it's amazing. When my kids doubt they're growing, we take them upstairs and go, come on, let's go up and measure, and Josh's like, hey, it's been a few months. Let's go measure. And sometimes, to be honest, we don't know if they're growing. We get so caught in life. You're in the middle of it, and just life, and lunches, and breakfast, and school, and sometimes you... You know, you're with people all the time. You can't always see growth. So sometimes Josh or Maddie's like, let's go measure me. And I'm like, I don't know if they've grown because there's different seasons of life. And we'll go upstairs and sure enough, Josh will stand there and we'll see the last date. And all of a sudden, sure enough, he's grown. He's grown as much in the last six months as he did the previous year combined. He's in a growth spurt right now. I'm like, man. And it surprises. I mean, Nancy, come look at this. He was here in June, in, in November. Look where he is now. And Maddie's is growing and I can't help but ask, in our spiritual walk, are we growing? We have moments where we come into these moments, and this is more than a service. Faith is not a church service. Faith is a journey. And we are committed to following Christ. And the Bible says that precept upon precept, level upon level, that there should be growth in our life. Here, the author is talking about how these Christians he talked to, some were new Christians and young Christians and some were infants and some were on milk and they were going through this analogy and this picture that, hey, you weren't growing enough or you weren't at the level maybe you should have been to have the conversation we needed to have. So a question I ask us today, church, is are we growing 
as people, as we growing as Christians? Are we growing in our faith? And how do we know if we're growing? Because I believe we're not just attending a service. We're actually growing in our faith. Come on, can someone say amen? How many know it's important to grow? I've also realized in life that age doesn't determine growth. Even spiritually. I know people have been in church a long time, but they are immature in their faith. If you know someone in this room, do not look at them. Just know that I know that you know that there are people that, you know, still struggle with the same attitudes from 30 years ago. Things that used to bother them still bother them. And I've realized just because someone gets older doesn't mean they always grow. There are growth spurts. I'm getting older, but I'm not growing physically. Maybe this way a little bit, but not this way anymore. Age does not determine growth. And in church life, people can say, I've been in church 30 years, but somewhere they stopped growing. Other people have been in church for six months a year, and they are in a growth spurt. So how do we know if we're growing? It's a great question. I'm so glad you asked it this morning. I think we can turn to Scripture today and pull out some things of how do we know if we're growing question is, are we growing and how do we know? In Luke chapter 8, I'm going to pull out three chapters today, Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 9, and Luke chapter 10. I want to encourage you today, in this summer season, summer's a vacation and relaxing, and some of you are working extra shifts, and sometimes you work harder in the summer, and, and all the stuff going on, there should be a question all the time. God, how is it between me and you? I want to hear God Encourage you to say, hey, there's more for you on your life. There's more growth. I want to encourage you as a church, not just in size of church, but in our intensity, in our passion, in our purity, in our willingness to serve God. We should be growing in our faith, in our journey. Can someone say amen? I believe we can grow in our amening in this church. Can someone say amen? amen? The winning team's always the loudest. And I think the Leafs might have a chance this year. They might have a chance. Montreal, you're on your own. Okay. Luke chapter 8. I want to start reading in verse 40. Very famous passage about Jesus doing a miracle here in Luke chapter 8, verse 40. On the other side of the lake, when the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him, a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years of age, was dying. As Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds and a woman in the crowd who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. Just pause. Think about that. Her energy leaving her body. Talking about the strength leaving her body. This is thousands of years ago. Not the same medical help or uh, comfort, things that could bring comfort. The, literally, the life was draining out of her body and how she suffered. Ceremonial and even culturally, she was then seen unclean as a reject. So she was dealing with rejection from people and then also weakness in her body. Bleeding for 12 years. And she could find no cure. Verse 44. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the, the fringe or the end of his robe, of his jacket, of his coat. And immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus said. Everyone denied it. And Peter, one of the disciples, said, Master, this whole crowd, you're literally in a mob right now. Everyone is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, no, no, someone deliberately. Listen, there's a difference between being in an environment and being intentional. I've sat at my kitchen table and had dinner with my family, but I've not been there mentally. I've been at work. I've been on trips. I've been mowing the lawn. I've been doing my taxes. And there's a difference between being somewhere and being somewhere. This woman, the crowd was there, but this woman deliberately went after something from Jesus. I don't get time to preach that today, but I want to. Listen, you can be in a room, but not be in a room. I'm so thankful that God wants us to deliberately go after him. He's like, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized she could no longer stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she touched him. Verse 48, daughter, he said, your faith has made you well. Go in 
peace. The first level today is level eight. I want to look at this like we're on a door frame growing in different levels of three feet tall and three and a half feet tall. And I want to encourage you today, as you see behind me, level eight on our growth chart is the disciples, Jesus taking the disciples through a growth program. The Bible says that we are not attenders of church. We're actually disciples. In Matthew, Jesus said, when you go, go and make disciples. We're not coming to make a crowd. We're not coming to build just a church of attenders. We are actually on a mandate to build disciples, which are people that follow Jesus, body, soul, and spirit, that are passionate about his mission and his command. Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And they are passionate about living like God and helping people find God. That's disciples. And as he takes his disciples through this growth, we can learn something from this. Level 8 was Luke chapter 8. Here's what's interesting at level 8. Here's how you know you're at level 8. Level 8 is God does it and we watch. In this story, the disciples were of no help. They weren't looking to help. He is on his way to heal a young girl who was 12 who was dying. A woman who had suffered for 12 years with bleeding. In the middle of that moment, the disciples are along for the journey. They're not looking for a miracle. They're not asking for a miracle. They're not helping with a miracle. They're just along for the ride. And Jesus stops, feels something leave him, feels power leave him, sees this woman's faith, says to her, she is healed. At level eight, God says, I'm going to do it. You're going to watch. I've learned this, that in the infancy of our faith, in the early years, no matter what year you came to faith, usually it starts with God doing everything and us doing nothing. Have you ever noticed, don't new Christians bug you sometimes? All their prayers get answered. Am I the only one that notices? Like, I was praying for a parking spot and I got one. I'm like, oh yeah? I drove around for a half an hour, right? Man, this, guy ha this happened. I'm like, man, I'm pastoring this church and they're getting more prayer answered than I'm getting. I'm like, what's going on here? It's like God does everything for the new believer. My wife, we were talking last night, when she came to know Christ, she was in university and did not grow up in a church like this and did not come be around these principles and didn't live a life of faith. She was far from God, and she had an aunt in her family that kept saying, you should come to church. You should come to church. And finally, she said, I was in the middle of exams at Munn, at Memorial University, and she goes, I was so sick of my aunt bothering me, I thought, I'm going to go get her out of my hair and just go to church. My wife wasn't looking for God. She wasn't expecting God. She wasn't hungry for God. She wasn't looking for life change. She had her life. She was focused. And she showed up to a church and she said, I experienced something I was not prepared for, wanting, or looking for that changed my life. In a rented small hall that smelled like cigarettes because the people that booked it before them, that, that was not pretty. In the middle of that, she experienced something beautiful, which we know is the presence of God. Worship like today started happening. She goes, I never experienced anything like this. I couldn't stop crying. And the preacher got up, and even before he started preaching, she goes, I just started walking to the front. No one else was walking to the front. She goes, I was drawn to the front going, I don't know what's happening, but I need more of what I'm experiencing. Like a woman at the, at, with an issue, she said, I got some issues, and I realized that there's something here that can help me. She goes, I walked up to the front, and the pastor walked over. He goes, what do you want? She goes, I don't know. I just need more of this. And he took her and led her in the sinner's prayer right there. She said, do you want to follow Jesus? He explained it to her, led a prayer, and her life was forever changed. But I look at that as level eight. God did it with no one's help. Nancy wasn't helping God. She wasn't looking to be invested in this. She wasn't, she wasn't interested or actively pursuing. God just showed up and said, watch this. And she did it. He did it in her life. I realized at level eight what it is is God does it and we watch. So many times that happens. Some of you have walked in here. 
in the last nine months, you, someone invited you, and you're like, man, I love this person. That's why I'm coming. Maybe you saw an Instagram feed or a Facebook post. You just walked in. You're like, I don't know. I'll check it out. I'm up for anything Sunday morning. And all of a sudden, you weren't looking for God. You didn't expect. And all of a sudden, you experienced something that you weren't prepared for, but you enjoyed. Forgiveness and hope and joy and real community. You didn't make it happen. God just showed up and said, this is free. I'm just going to do this for you. I've realized, though, in my life, that's really usually one of the early stages of faith. Level eight. There are other levels in this. Luke chapter nine, we're going to jump over to level nine. In Luke chapter nine, he's still working with his disciples. Make no mistake, Jesus came for three years to build his leadership team. He could have came in one week and died on the cross and fulfilled his mission to rescue us from our sin and join us to heaven. But he spent three years showing how to grow a team, how to grow a life, how to grow a disciple. In this process, he's growing these disciples. In Luke chapter 9, start reading in verse 11. Now it's at another level. They measured up on the doorpost at level 8, and now Jesus wants to take them to level 9, to another growth in this. Luke chapter 9, verse 11. But the crowds found him. Jesus was trying to get some quiet time. How many know you need to recharge? Even God needed to recharge. Some of you are so afraid to take a vacation. And listen, I believe if God took a vacation, he rested one day when he created. And you, and you can't. I believe taking a rest. That's why we believe in summertime. We, we encourage people to go away. Take a vacation. Take some time off. I think sometimes workaholics is the greatest sign of pride that you don't trust God to help you. I believe if you trust God, you can take a rest. Can someone say amen? I'll say amen. I need a rest sometimes. Just head one in New York. New York is not really restful, but it sure is fun. A lot of street meeting candy apples. Okay, verse 11. But the crowds found him where he was going, and they followed him. He welcomed them and taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here. This is a remote place. Verse 13, he's about to make them go to level 9. Jesus looks at them and says, No, no, you feed them. Do you see that there? You feed them. Level eight was God goes, no, no, I got this. I got this. Watch me pray. Watch me whip, whip. Watch me pray. You know, watch me feed them. Watch this. Watch me. Watch me. I'm going to do this. No one over the age of 35 got that, but it's, it, it's a hip-hop reference because <clears throat> I have street cred. I am so gangster. Okay. <laughs> In verse 13, he switches it on the doorpost. He says, no, no, I'm committed to your growth. He said, I just healed that woman, and I healed that, and I raised that little girl from the dead in the rest of that story in Luke chapter 8. But now, we have to keep your growth going. We need to, we're committed to you growing in your faith. He says in verse 13, they're waiting for God to do it all. He says, no, no, you feed them. They come back with an excuse, as I would have too. Uh, we only have some fish and chips. We got a donair and some poutine. That's all we got. He says... That's the message version. Let me tell you what the Bible says. It says, I've only got five loaves and bread. I've only got five loaves and some bread, of bread and two fish. He answered, and they answered, or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there's about 5,000 men. Other scriptures say there was also women and children. Many, many is up to 20,000 people sitting there listening to Jesus. And they're like, wait a minute, wait, whoa. All we got is a couple fish and some bread. Or are you expecting us to use our debit card on this? And can we receipt this? You know, like, like I, I, what? how are we going to do this? Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50. 
So the people sat down. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and fish to the disciples. Notice this? He kept giving it to them. If I was God and I could multiply fish and loaves, the story goes on that he made enough that the 5,000 men and all the women and children ate enough that there was 12 baskets left over. They had overflow. It was like Cracker Barrel. They had, they had an overflow buffet. It's interesting. If I was the kind of God that could do that miracle, couldn't I have sent like seagulls to drop off, like delivery, like Uber food, just dropping off food? Couldn't a unicorn could have come through the sky? Couldn't I have done something, fish jumping out of the water onto their laps? Like he could have done that. Isn't it interesting? In the miracle provision, he still asked them to be a partner. They came to him and said, God, these people are hungry. Do what you do with that woman. Can you just step here and do something? He's like, no, no, we're going, we're going to level nine. He's like, no, no, you feed them. And they're like, um... Um, we don't got enough. You go, okay, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. You bring what you have, and I'll do what I do. You bring your little, and I'll do much. We're going to do this partnership. And then he does as much, and he goes, okay, now you have work to do. Hand it out. I've realized in my life that that's what it looks like when we go to the next level in faith. In the early stages, God does everything. You weren't looking for God. You weren't hungry for God. God just showed up and wrecked your life. He interrupted you and blessed you with joy and peace and forgiveness Friend of mine, Tom, here today, remember in his prison cell, God just interrupted his life, changed him. But I realize the next level in your life is God invites us to partnership. I was 15 years of age, and I was in, on a missions trip in England helping, teaching in schools and doing, doing plays, and, and, and there was a singing group, and we were a part of this. I was 15 years of age, and my youth pastor had preached 20 times in one week. We had done 10 schools, over 5,000 people, in a whole week, and man, there was kids and students and school assemblies, and we're talking about Canada and talking about the Bible, and they would preach and pray. And I remember in the middle of these 10 schools and 5,000 students, they got me to share for one minute. Would you get up and just tell people who you are and how much God means to you? At 15, I had a speech impediment. I couldn't say my R's. I was like, it's really good to be here. And they're like, oh, man, this, that's a Canadian accent. No, that's not a Canadian accent. That's a Mike Miller accent. And, it's funny, 5,000 students, 10 schools, a week, thousands of miles, and I had one minute, but I walked away from that week going, man, we really changed England. We really affected five, we affected 5,000 people. No, no, I just did a little, but it's amazing. God wants us to partner with him. That's what it looks like on level nine. God's inviting us to partner. I want to let you know today that when we bring what we have, God will do what he does. There's another level of growth, and I find people get stuck sometimes in the elementary and in the beginner when they keep saying, God, what are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me? You hear it in words like, well, I didn't really get fed at church. I don't know, like, God didn't do it for me, so I'm out. Like, like uh, why didn't that prayer get answered? And, man, I don't really like the music, or I'm not really sure these friendships are going well, and no one's really called me or blessed me. And it's funny because they're waiting for God to do everything. And I realize in growth, at some point, God goes, no, no, okay, I've done it. I've showed you what I'm like, but what's possible. But now let's partner together because there is a great reward in the partnership. The disciples who were hungry as well, after they had partnered with God, it says there was 12 baskets left over. They each walked away with an awesome doggy bag. Like, all right, we just worked hard. We get this whole basket to ourselves. I want to let you know there is, there, is a, there is a provision and there is a blessing in partnering with God. It starts off going, I just brought the little I had, but God does the much. And you walk away going, how is it I gave so little, but I am so full? Well, that's the story of my life. You bring what you have, God does what he does, and what he does is beautiful. 
There's another level. And some of you, even today in your growth in this summer, going, am I partnering with God? God wants to partner with you, a life beyond compare. When you partner with God, it satisfies like nothing else. That's why we have so much fun in this church. This fun is not fake. You can't fake this in rain and in snow and in early mornings. Why? Because we go home tired usually on Sundays, but we go home fulfilled. Going, we brought, I drove a truck or I, I was an usher or I did the coffee. Coffee people are always a little more hyper than everyone else. And, and I sold merchandise and I worked with the kids and I blessed on the babies and I gave a little, I gave a little, but look what God did today. Go home full of purpose. I want to encourage you today in your faith. If you bring what you have, God will do what he does. It's an invitation to partner. On the growth chart, my my son and my daughter say, hey, where am I at now, Dad? Am I growing, Dad? Measure me now. I can see it because now my kids can reach reach the top shelf where even my wife can't reach the top shelf anymore. My wife's now officially the shortest miller in our house. Our kids are growing. I was just in Houston for this last week ministering and even coming home, Josh's voice seems deeper. Maddie looks taller. Josh seems faster. I was watching him play soccer last night going, he looks faster than a week ago. I want to tell you, there is growth happening, but God just doesn't want to leave you at level nine. I believe there's a level 10 in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, I'm going to start reading verse one and then jump over to verse 17. Luke chapter 10. Now the Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. Verse 17, and when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we used your name. My friend, there's another level here in level 10. There's another level when you start to grow. And here's the level is we do, the first was God did it, we watched. The second level was we do it together. Level 10 is God says you do it and I'm gonna watch. Don't miss this today. I find in the early stages, God goes, no, no, watch. I'm going to do this. You're going to watch. Then as we start to grow in our faith, whether you're 50 and you start this thing or you're 15 or 9, then God invites us to partnership. Go, okay, let's do it together. Then he says, okay, you do it, and I'm going to watch. That's how he raised his disciples. That's how we're raising the church. That's what I believe God wants us to do. There's many levels in this journey. Maturity is knowing the heart of God, so you don't need to wait on the hand of God. I'm going to say that again. So many people are waiting on the hand of God. God, just do something. I believe maturity as we grow. Am I growing? When we grow in this, we know the hand of God, that we don't need to wait on the, we know the heart of God. We don't need to wait on the hand of God. The disciples knew God's heart. They knew Jesus' heart. They knew the way he operated. They knew his values and his passions. He knew how, they knew how much he loved people, how he wanted to reach lonely, hurting people. They knew his distaste for religion. They knew his heart so they could go be his hand. And Jesus sat back and said, you know my heart, go be my hand. We are the hands and feet of God. Maturity is when not only God invites you to partner, but then he starts to send you into mission. We parent this way. When our kids were born, man, we got these newborn shirts. <clears throat> I know babies are cute, but I'm so thankful I'm not there. Can someone say amen? Kids are all grown up, man. When Josh was born, I never forget, he was so little, that most vulnerable moment when you come home from the hospital, you know that moment when like everything's about the birth and everything, and all of a sudden they're like, okay, you're good to go home. I'm like, you're coming with us, right, to the nurses? Like, you're coming with us, right? Like, no, no, you're good. They check the car seat and like, bon voyage, you know, like, I've never felt more unprepared in my life than that moment, carrying that baby. I walked so slow. It was like, uh, I drove the Bedford Highway. I refused to go the highway. Am I the only, you know what I'm talking about? I was just like, oh, what's going, we get that baby home and we have to bath this baby. I'm like, this is now a full-time commitment. <laughs> like, 
before the baby's born, it's, you know, it, it's unicorns and rainbows. All of a sudden, afterwards, it's, it's poop and feeding. And uh, I'm like, man, this kid's got chins and cheeks, and things are getting caught, and food's getting up in places. And so we have to bath him. I never forget, when you bath them, some of you know this. Some of you are in this stage. They have that little ramp, that thing they put in the bathtub, this little mesh kind of thing that you lay the kids on because they can't bath themselves. <laughs> they're, they're newborns, and you put them on this little thing, and, the, and then you splash them with water, and you wipe them down, and you get the Johnson's baby stuff, and you do, and you, there's, sometimes there's, what's it called, cradle cap, and you got to wash their hair, and if they have hair or no hair, and, and, and you have to do everything, and the baby just sits there and watches, you do everything, and they watch, because they're babies, they're young, they're new, they can't do anything, but then you graduate to the toddler years, remember these years? But it was my job to bath the kids and Nancy would do something else and I'd get the water just right, make sure the temperature was good. I'd fill it with lots of bubbles, more bubbles than Nancy because I'm the fun parent. I got bubbles, it's like a foam party in there. My two-year-old's like, turn on the DJ. <laughs> just go and it foams everywhere. Nancy's like, that was the whole bottle. I'm like, but we had fun, you know. Put the kid in the bubbles and Marco, Polo, oh, he's over here, he'd move the bubbles. And, and then I would sit up on the counter, I'd throw all the toys in, all his favorite toys in. And I'd sit up on the counter and play Angry Birds. And lock the door, because if Nancy saw me on my phone, I'd be in trouble. Are you on your phone in there? No, I'm just praying over our son. Lord, do a mighty work, you know. And I'm playing Angry Birds. Why? He's sitting there. He's two. He's three. He's splashing. I'm like, Josh, don't forget to splash, you know, your hair. And he's putting bubbles on his hair. And he's playing. And he's, he's washing himself. And then I would go over and finish the job and wash him and do his hair and get him out of the tub, hold his hand, get him out of the tub and dry him off and snuggle him up and go down and watch a show. And we started doing it together. Then... They got to an age where they didn't need me to bath them. Now it's like, man, Josh comes home from soccer. I need a shower. Man, it's like, I need a shower. I was in Houston for a week. How awkward would it be if my kids would not bath if I was away? How weird would it be a 14-year-old going, come on, let's get into the tub, you know? <laughs> That's illegal, number one. Secondly, it's weird. You know, it's like, come on, you know, here's all your toys. Here's some bubbles. Like, Dad, it's like, Dad, I, mean, I can shower myself, you know? Now it's like, no, no. At first it was, I do it. You just watch. Then it became, no, let's do it together. I'm going to help you, show you how to do this. And now it's like, Josh, grab a shower. Go ahead. And he's on his own. Listen, maturity always changes your responsibility. The disciples in Scripture, it's amazing, their they're, they're complaining decreased as their responsibility increased. You read your Bible, before the church was launched in Acts, they had probably, are we first? Who's more important? Who gets a better seat in heaven? Someone's like, but I don't really like this. And where are we going to eat? And how are we going to feed them? And what about this? Can that person really join us? And what about that person? Why are you talking to that woman? And who's this guy? And their complaining decreased when their responsibility increased. All of a sudden, God said, I have a mission for you. It's funny, when you read the scriptures in the New Testament after Acts, they're being beat, put in prison. Some are being killed. You don't hear complaining. You hear, thank you, God, for this opportunity. Why? Because growth changes your attitude. Listen, I understand we have preferences, and I complain, we all have, but I realize, you know what's interesting? I was a fussy eater as a kid. You ever had those kids? Maybe you is those kids. I want crust off my sandwich. <laughs> I'm, I, come on, like, that's a whole other level, right? I, I don't eat that. I don't, you know what's amazing? I stopped being a fussy eater when I had to start preparing my own food. I was in grade 8. My mom went back to work, and I, became, I, I looked after myself in grade 8. It's amazing what I ate in those afternoons when mom wasn't around. When she was home, I'd go to the cupboard. There's nothing to eat. When she went to work, it's amazing what I found to eat. I invented a thing called Mexican pasta. It's craft dinner with salsa. It's not very good. 
But it's amazing how my fussiness went down when my responsibility increased. You know, the people that are actually doing something, I find like you see their growth, it's when their comfort isn't their focus of their attention. It's the mission they're on. I'm going to let you know today, God is the mission for your life. Are we growing? So many times when I complain about something, I thought, man, I'm not as growing as much as I thought I was. It's amazing, God, because you're asking me to partner with you, and when I partner with him, I feel this joy, and God does much with my little. And then there's a point when God says, listen, you know my heart, go be my hands. Listen, God wants to help you. Then God wants to train you. Then God wants to send you. To follow Jesus is to be committed to a life of growing. He loves you where he found you, but he loves you too much to leave you there. You can always spot when someone's been around Jesus because they'll meet him in their mess, but they never stay there. Listen, you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to act right, speak right, be right. You can be wherever. Jesus loves you enough to meet you right where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. My friend, when he found me, I was full of religion. I was full of a lot of things. He loved me right where I was, but he loved me too much to leave me there. He wants to train me and grow me. He wants to do the same with us. 1 Corinthians compares immaturity to like a baby drinking milk and an older child that's getting solid food like meat. Here's my thought today. Milk is given, meat is gotten. You ever notice that like meat, you have to go hunt meat. You have to go find meat. There's this picture of babies with milk and it's given, but when you get older, there's meat that is gotten. That's the picture of maturity in your journey. So many people are going, someone feed me, someone help me, someone do something for me. Milk is given, meat is gotten. Maturity moves from taking to making. Disciples go from complaining to the mission, what growth looks like. Listen, you don't need God to tell you to go forgive someone. That's maturity. Well, if God gives me a sign, if they come to me first, if, if I get a letter, if I, if I get a sign, if I get... Listen, maturity is you know the heart of God. You don't need the hand of God. You don't need God's help. You don't need God to tell you to go forgive somebody. You don't. You don't need God's help to go hurt, hurting people. You don't need God to tell you to go help someone that's hurting. Listen to me. You don't need God to tell you to go give a single mom $100. So many people are waiting on a word of God, and God's going, I've called you to mission. You know my heart. You don't need my hand. We are the hand of God. We are the miracle someone's looking for. Single mom, working hard. Single dad, working hard. School season's coming up in September. How many know that's expensive time? You don't need to hear a voice of God going, buy them some supplies, give them a gift card to Walmart. Listen, you know the heart of God. You can be the hand of God. This will change your life. You don't need God to tell you to invite someone to church. Well, if I see a rainbow, if, <laughs> if, I, if the right commercial, come, if the right song comes on, no, listen, I don't need. If I know the heart of God, I can be the hand of God. People ask me all the time, when did God tell you to start a church in this part of the city? He didn't need to. I know the heart of God. And God's heart's people. Here's how we figured out where to plant this church. Where's everybody moving to and where are they building condos and apartments? I thought there was a more spiritual answer. Like doves and rainbows and maybe the Fruit Loops spelt something in the bowl. No, no. I was driving one day going, look at all these buildings. Who's going to live there, people? You know what? God loves people. God's heart's always towards people. I bet there's people coming in here that are hurting. People that their marriage needs help, their kids need help, their finances need help, their purity needs help. They need to know God loves them. Wherever there's people is God's heart. So that's why we didn't plant in the middle of nowhere. We planted here. Why? Because I don't need to know the hand of God. I know the heart of God. 
We make it so spiritual sometimes, going, God, just say something. God, show, no, you know his heart. The disciples were sent out. Jesus sat there. I can imagine that moment going, all right, it's been three years. Let's see how this goes. And they come back going, we saw this, and we saw this, and we saw this. He goes, okay, I'm ready now. I see your growth. See, the goal of parenting isn't to raise followers. It's to raise leaders. The goal of me is not to have kids, whether you have one kid, three kids, or 20 kids, and for them to live home until they're 80. Come on, somebody. Eat your food, drive your car, watch your cable. You buy them clothes, and just you have a house full of kids going, feed us, entertain us, direct us. No, the goal of parenting is to get them to a level where they launch unto their own. My friend, that's the same with the growing in the body of Christ. I want to encourage you. God says, I'm going to do it. You watch. And there's this beautiful exchange where he says, no, let's do it together. And then you get to a point where God goes, you know my heart. You do it. I'm going to watch you. My friend, I want to challenge us as a church to be committed to growth. When you're growing, when you're growing, your clothes that you once wore don't fit anymore. My kids keep throwing at their clothes. Keep giving them to Beacon House and other people. Why? Because nice clothes, but they outgrow them. My son's going, his cleats now are too small. These amazing soccer cleats that are amazing. He's like, they're too small. Why? Because when you grow, you when you have a growth spurt, when you are maturing, things that once fit you don't fit you anymore. Listen, some of you, there are some surroundings that you were in that were comfortable at one time, but they're not comfortable anymore. They're too small for you. Some people had small mentality. When we can't reach anybody, you can't build that business. You can't have that kind of marriage. You can't parent like that. You can't think like that. And there's small mentality. And somewhere you start to grow, go, no, no, I can't have a good marriage. Oh, your parents didn't have a good marriage. Your, your in-laws didn't have a good parent. Man, you, there's no way. It's impossible. No, no, no. Your small mentality, I've outgrown. No, churches in Canada don't grow beyond 20 people. No, no, I'm sorry. But my, my growth has gone past that mentality. My surroundings are too small for me. I believe my kids can have a legacy. My parents are celebrating 52 years of marriage tomorrow. But that is a basement, and I believe God wants us another ceiling as they keep going. My parents want me to have a better marriage than they have. I want my kids to have a better marriage than me. Why? Sometimes your surroundings get too small. Levels of faith that felt right at one time. In your growth, you need more room to grow again. It took a lot of faith to start this church, didn't it, Doretta? A lot of faith. Some of you are huge players in this. But listen, as we grow, our faith starts to grow. I'll make no mistake in saying this. We're now talking about multiple campuses. We're talking about multiple services. We're talking about, why? Do we want more followers? No, we want more leaders. There are some preachers on this team that need more room to preach. There are more worship leaders. How good was Alex today? Your first time leading at Nova. He's had some growth spurts in his life. But there's more room. Listen, there's areas of faith that we have outgrown and we're going to keep. Why? Because God's committed us to keep growing in our faith. There were attitudes that you used to wear that you've outgrown. I don't like that person, man. I don't believe that. And all of a sudden, attitudes that once were who you were, now you've outgrown them. That's what growth does. There were temptations I used to wrestle with and lose. But now they are no match. Like my kids, I could wrestle them and hold them. Now I start to lose to them. Some of you, there are temptations that you couldn't win. Temptations that took you out. But as you start to grow, as you start to go, as you partner with God, He shows you His heart. Now God wants to send you. Things that used to take you out a year ago shouldn't take you out anymore. Why? Because you're growing. Things that were used to take you out are now no match. Why? Because no, because you're growing in this. You'll grow the things around you. Today I want to pray for you. A life of faith is a life of growth.
A life of take from taking, moving to making. Making opportunities for others, not just taking things for yourself. That's why I love this church. We are committed to making room for people we've never met. We will never be the church going, that's my seat. You'll never see a reserved seat in this church. You'll never receive, why? Because it's not about my seat. It's about the person we've yet to meet yet. Why? Because we're not building, that's why we say we're building a church for people we've never met. What we're saying is, it's not about us. We're committed not to be takers, but makers. Make time this summer to go feed yourself from God's word. My wife always says, pack your own lunch. Pack your own lunch. Leaders lead and feed themselves. So many people put pressures on pastors and leaders and podcasts and spouses. Feed me. No, no, I've realized that it's on us to feed ourselves. At some point, the disciples had to feed themselves. The miracle of Jesus left and they had to feed themselves. Listen, can I encourage you? Get into your word this week. If you're new in your faith, you want to grow, read your word. Spend some minutes praying. How do you pray? Just vent to God. Don't vent on Facebook. Vent to God. Prayer is not, oh, prayer is, I don't get it. I can't figure them out, her out, him out. I don't know what to do. That's prayer. It's not venting when you do it to God. It's called bearing your heart and casting your cares. Can I encourage you, some of you, make some time to feed yourself from God's word. Go make a difference in someone's life. Don't wait on the voice of God. You know his heart. Go be his hands. Bless somebody today. Take him out for lunch. Buy them some free coffee from the back. Go find someone and buy them some merch. Give someone some rent money. Give them a word of encouragement. Give them a word of encouragement. Hey, I'm proud of you. It's all the way you're doing this. You're a great dad. You're a great, you're a great wife. You're a great mom. Man, so proud of you. People encourage our teens all the time. You're amazing. We have the best teenagers. Listen, give encouragement. You know the heart of God. Go be the hand of God. Invite somebody to church. Invite someone to your house for supper. Go be the difference that you want, you've seen in your life. God did it for you freely. You weren't looking for God. He showed up and goes, watch this. Then he invites us to partner a little, and then God will say, go. You know my heart. Be my hands. That's the presence of God. Today as we close, all over this place, if you can just bow your head for a moment. I want to make room today. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you, you don't have a life of faith, you want to start. The Bible calls it being born again, which is like you're starting your growth journey. And right now, you weren't expecting this, but God wants to show up right now and just do something for you. He wants to take away your pain, your, your unforgiveness, your, your regret, maybe your frustration. Your, the Bible calls it sin, which is choices that are anything other than what God would want for your life. You walked in here one way, but he wants you to walk in full of joy and peace, knowing you're right with God. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord, that he's in control, that he is the best for your life, the Bible says you are saved. You'll know him in eternity, but you can also know him here. And you can start your journey of growth, of watching God do things for you, then inviting us to partner, and then sending you to be, as you heard last week, a hero maker in people's lives. If you say, Mike, I want you to pray for me in a moment, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand and put it right back down. If you say, Mike, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ, I want to start this relationship with him, I want to pray for you right where you stand. One, it's not everybody in this room, but it's somebody. Today's your day where God wants to step in and just take away that that unforgiveness or that regret or that, that frustration or that heaviness, a life of control by yourself and your choices will lead to. And he wants to come in and intervene and just bless you today with forgiveness that you can know you're right with God. Two, looking all over this place. Three, if that's you, just raise your hand real high and put it right back down. If that's you today. I see that hand. Put it right back down. Awesome. Can we stand together? All of us together? Let's pray together.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for every person in the sound of my voice. God, we are committed to growing. So Father, first of all, I pray for those people in the sound of my voice that know you, they're committed to this journey, that you are with them. I pray we would be committed to a life of growth. God, are we growing? God, would you use us to partner with us? Would you bring what we have and do what you do? It might be a little, it might be a little time, a little talent, a little resources, a little bit of encouragement, but God, would you turn it into much? Would you feed a city, feed a generation, feed the hurting over the little we bring? God, we wanna partner with you. I pray another level of partnering, Father, in the lives of this church. God, I pray for those that need to grow. Father, I pray for another level. Some are being sent even from this church to other places. Some are being sent to other levels of influence. Some are being sent to be more of an influence in their place of employment, their schools, and their family. Father, I pray that they would grow today, a commitment, God, that you would help launch us into this next season. Now, God, I pray for those that put their hand up today and say, God, I want to start a relationship with you. God, I pray right now you would walk in and you would forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for doing it our own way. Fill us with life and hope. God, we say you're in control. We want to follow you. We give you our heart, we give you our past, and we give you our future. Lord, come in and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.